Hey man, you got your headphones in, you just turned your favorite new podcast, Underdogs, on. Here's a friendly reminder. Put a mask on when you go inside a public space so that people can stop dying and we can all watch sports again very soon. Today is Thursday, July 9th. The year is 2020. My name is Jacob Eamon. Here with me, as per usual, is David Patrick Fleming. David, what is going on, my friend? Well, you know, Jacob, that uh, lately I have been trying to not drink alcohol. And last night, my attempt was less successful than previous attempts. And so I'm experiencing a little bit of mental fog, um, just a, a touch of a searing self-loathing and maybe just a drop of uh, the inability to ever trust myself again. How much did you drink? Like a bottle of wine. That's it? Oh, that's don't, it? Don't lie to me, David. I know you. <laughs> Tell me how much. I had a bottle of wine and maybe just like a couple whiskeys. I knew just it. Just a couple. Don't do this. You to wanted me. to leave those out. How are you today, Jacob? You seem really combative. You seem like you want to get into something. You seem like you got something under your skin. So let's put on some gloves here and let's start to scrap. What is going on with you? I'm feeling great today, man. I want everybody to know that before we started uh, recording today, I uh, witnessed uh, Jacob's girlfriend reaming him out, and I saw <laughs> I saw Jacob basically put his tail between his legs and take no. it like a shamed puppy. No. He took it like it, and now he's trying to get at me. He's trying to call me an alcoholic on live podcasting on YouTube, so I'm just calling him out. You can do what you wish, man. I'm fighting for us, Okay. Do you mean me and you or you and Brittany? For for me and you. <laughs> Everything I do, I do for this show. I got a hot take for you, Jacob. You want to hear this hot take that I got? Yeah, I do. Lay you it ready? On. You, you strapped in? You got your seatbelt on? Because this is going to blow your mind. I promise my take is going to be hotter afterwards. Here's the hot take. MLB doesn't make it past 10 games. NBA doesn't get to the playoffs. Hmm. Mm, okay. You what what's your thought? What's your what's your reasoning for this? I can understand oh, the MLB. Do you have a TV? Have you ever uh, looked at the news? Did you see that the US had 60,000 cases yesterday? Have you heard any of the players in either of the leagues feel comfortable or safe or well taken care of? This ship is going to sink. But why why the NBA? You know, they're going to be they're going to be safe inside their campus. They're Oh yeah, they're in Florida. Yeah, Florida. The uh the guts of the coronavirus dragon. Yeah, they all feel safe. Yeah, for yeah. sure. They feel like being uh, performing for all of us out here while they risk their lives in probably the worst place in the world that they could be right now. Okay, but Florida is just an idea. Florida is just a, a fabricated line on a map that was drawn by people that didn't know how to make maps, okay? So so inside that bubble, they could be anywhere. As long as they keep Florida out, you know, they're, they're their own little country. They could draw a little border around and they can start a new population, an, a new caseload. And the amount of cases inside their bubble, 
let's call it uh, MBA state. They've got like uh, how many right now? Thirty, and and they're not letting those people into the bubble. So that all the people in that bubble, they're going to be a nice zero. Guess what, Jacob? The virus can travel now. It can live in the sky, and it can break through borders, and it can crawl through walls. It now has the power of cockroaches and mosquitoes all at the same time, and it will infiltrate that bubble, and it will take the league down. Okay. Joe West can say what he wants to say. I can say what I want to say. If we can all just squawk off about things that could be true, why not? All right. So, 10 games for the MLB. Yep. And I guess that's eight games, I guess, for the NBA. They just don't make it to the playoffs. The playoffs don't happen. I do think both leagues are going to play a game, which is still probably maybe not true. But the take is 10 games, no playoffs. All right. I dig it. Here's my take, David. I know who's in Dunedin. I know which players the Blue Jays are secretly hiding in Dunedin and were not allowed into Canada, okay? But you bet you weren't expecting that because that's not out on the information. You're not going to get that from the MLB insiders. You're going to get that from freaks who are willing to do some, some research into the dark web, put a little pieces together, do a little investigation into what's being released. You want to know who's in Dunedin? You want to know who's... Who's, who's not in Toronto right now, David? I bet you, you do. Bet your, you bet your ass I do. Well, why don't, you, why don't you ask me some questions? Why don't you see if... Because, uh, you know, I'm well, not okay, sure. Here's my everything. first question. Here's my first question. I'll give it to you straight. Uh, how do you f- know any of this? And why do you feel you know information that other people don't know? I spent time, okay? I spent time combing through images, through Twitter, through everything that the Blue Jays have released since they have gotten here. I can confirm many players who are in Toronto. Those people include Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Danny Jansen, Ken Giles, Hanjin Ryu, Matt Shoemaker, Nate Pearson, Teoscar Hernandez, Rowdy Telez, Trent Thornton, Shun Yamaguchi. There are others, but I'm sorry, are you basing this all on the short clip that Sportsnet released of showing the players running around and pitching and playing? Because we all have access to that video. And if you think that anybody not on that video has COVID-19, then you're dead wrong. I'm not saying they have COVID-19. I'm saying they're part of the 12 players who are affected by the one player who has COVID-19. And they don't know about those other 12 players because they couldn't get the test in time. So they had to stay behind. Who has who has COVID-19 amongst that 12? I'm not sure. Who that total 12 are? I don't know that either because there's some people in there that you've never heard of in this 60-man. Uh, so I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just going to back things up to when you said you were going to drop a hot take. You said you knew the names of the people, and now you're saying you don't know the names of the people? So what, what is it you know? You just know there's 12 people. No. So no. What, what do you know? I then? know a group of people that I have strong suspicions Oh, now it's strong suspicions because you opened this whole thing up saying that these were hard facts that none of the insiders would know that somehow you, Jacob Eamon, knew. Hard fact. Kevin Biggio is not in Toronto. Hard fact number two. Randall Grichik, also not here. Nowhere to be seen. Number three. Based on the video? Based on the video, based on all of the images that have been captured that are on the internet. I, do you think... If they had a Cabin Biggio, if they had a Randall Grickock, who they love, 
showing images of everywhere, trying to turn him into the superstar that he will never be. Do you think that they would not be highlighting him in these images that they're releasing to the press or in this video? It's possible they couldn't get a clip of Randall Grishuk where he wasn't swinging and missing at a dead red fastball. It's also possible that Kevin Biggio couldn't be seen not duffing a ball at second base. So maybe they just didn't have the clips that made people excited to watch the season. They would have a clip of him just walking down the field. People want to see Biggio. People want to see Grichuk. They want you to see them if they have them. I know for sure, and I will say it right now, that they are part of a group that is still in Dunedin, Florida. So just those two names. No, three, four, perhaps five, maybe even six. I'm going to include Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in there because he's been nowhere to be seen. I have yet to see Anthony Alford. I'm less certain about him, less certain about Derek Fisher, but I haven't seen her, seen him. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm not totally certain about Reese McGuire. And I'm, and I Reese say McGuire that, might be in prison. <laughs> no. It's possible that he's in prison or they are not allowed to show his image on no, he, anything because of what he did. That's what that's my only concern with Reese McGuire is maybe they don't want to be putting out images of him. But I didn't even see him in like a big group shot. You know, there's been pictures of like a group standing around and I'm trying to like zoom in on these faces using facial recognition technology. You mean um, your eyes? My <laughs> My eyes cross-referencing the <laughs> roster, okay? <laughs> the Blue Jays roster. I, I will I will buy the, the Biggio and the Grishik thing for sure. What about um, Griel Jr.? I think they would want to be highlighting him as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's three big names in our lineup that are not here right now, that are not able to train with us. And we're two weeks away from games. We've got an intra squad game here tonight of Matt Shoemaker versus the bullpen. Yeah, but they could have had the virus already for like a week. They could have just another week of it, get two negative tests. Bingo, bango. Grishik's still going to strike out 111 times in 60 games. It's going to happen. They're just taking a little, uh, little extra break. The Universal DH. What about the Universal DH? Well, Nick Castellanos, who got traded or got signed by the Cincinnati Reds in the offseason. Former killer of the Jays on the Tigers. Former killer of the Jays, great bat, horrendous fielder. He is traded to the Reds, and now he's going to be used as a DH probably because he is a horrendous fielder. He had minus nine runs saved last year defensively. Oof. He is upset now because he was under the impression that when he signed with the Reds that he wouldn't be able to be used as a DH, that they would have to use him in the field because I think a lot of the American League teams were like going to pay him as a DH and we're going to use him as a DH and he still believes that he has value in the field. Now, his feelings aside, because I don't give a damn what he does because it's also a team game, so why do I care if his uh, wishes are being fulfilled if he's not going to put in the work to be a better defender? Two questions. Do you like the Universal DH, and do you think it sticks after this season? I like the Universal DH, and I do think it sticks after this season. I, you know, I don't have much to back that up with, but I do think that it's going to be just hard to create a new rule and then be like, all right, that was fun. Back to the old ways. Pitchers, get back in that box and start swinging again. I don't think that's going to happen. I Here's my problem with it being implemented this season. 
and maybe it isn't an issue. Maybe it, it helps these National League teams. But I would have liked to have had these National League organizations had an offseason to figure out how they want to use uh, the universal DH in their league, how, do, how players that they can sign, ways that they can build their rosters around having this DH and not just being like, all right, we've got an extra spot now in the lineup, so the next good player, the next hitter that we had, you're up. Slot you in. You know, like, so... I think it could have been it could have been great for the economy of the game, for the free agent market. If if we knew that the the National League was going to have a DH, and uh, I would have been a big supporter of it in that way. So this season, I feel like it's going to be, I don't know, it's it's just going to feel like a sort of half measure. You're going to see some of these guys like Nick Castellanos, who aren't great defenders, who can now just be slotted in a DH and. I don't know how great it's going to be for that for those teams. They don't seem to be complaining. I haven't heard anyone being like, "We didn't get time to prepare for this." So, <laughs> I didn't get time to prepare to not field. <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean the the general managers and and the front offices of the teams, who I thought would be the ones that might anybody not. on the bench is going to be better than whatever pitcher is hitting, and it's a way better. I don't understand anybody who is against. Universal DH when they're like, oh, it takes away some strategy. It's like the only reason the strategy is created is because you're trying to manage a problem that is unnecessary. And it's not like every DH that is going to be batting in the National League is some masher. You know, it's like people say, oh, this game's turning into home runs. No, not every team has this guy sitting on the bench who just isn't able to play who can mash 40 home runs a year. But that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I would have liked to have seen some more of those mashers and been able to, to spread some more people out like that uh, and had these, given these teams opportunities to sign some, some mashers and have, have that. Yeah. But there isn't an endless supply of mashers in the league, and the DH doesn't have to be a masher. Like You could have even a guy who, who bats 250 and has some speed and can you know, slap the ball the other way is more interesting to watch than some American League pitcher in an interleague game being told he's not allowed to swing because he'll pop his back. But there has been a sort of glut, you know, a, a, a series of dudes whose values have been reduced year after year that we've been talking about where they're like, this guy's got no positional versatility. He's a first baseman DH type and we don't have enough spots in the American League. And and we're starting to not want to use our DH spot like that. Now we've opened up 15 more spots for those guys, and maybe their value increases a bit when suddenly more teams want to have one of these guys who doesn't necessarily play the field great but can hit the ball really well. That's That's all I'm saying. Are you ready to talk about the strange phenomenon that happened in Great Barrington County. <laughs> all right, what's what was this episode called? Sorry to all of our listeners who we've been doing a poor job of explaining what we're talking about. This is episode five of Unsolved Mysteries. We only got this one. I think it's and episode one more four. To go. What? It's it, the episode's called Berkshire's Berkshire's UFO. I think it's episode five, isn't it? Or four. I thought, I thought four. it was five, man. I thought we only had this one and one more to go, and then we're done with this hit. <laughs> no. Because there was, there was Ray Rivera, 
then there was that disappeared the guy who sleeps with bones the guy who sleeps with bones then there was the good yeah, episode the, the count, french count, dracula. The count, count count xavier the dracula zinedine zidane then oh no yeah this is no this is five because then there was the kansas uh right racial then there was killing. lonzo yeah now we're at ufos so what's it called berkshire's ufo episode five berkshire's ufos this isn't really anything okay um <laughs> this show should be canceled i'm going to say it right now we're, we're going to talk about this today we're going to talk about it tomorrow tomorrow's the end of the week we're going to finish the week and we're never going to speak of unsolved mysteries again it's like this show is trying to piece together sports segments with no sports on, except they have the vast multitude of unsolved mysteries that have ever occurred in the world, and they chose these ones. They chose a bunch of people who in 1969 saw a light. Yeah. It's about six people who saw a light, but they were also, in 1969, they were like 10 and 12 years old. And they generally and vaguely speak about having seen a light and they don't go into any more detail. It is a tale as old as time. It is the most classic UFO story ever. If you were in a bad community theater improv group and somebody told you that you were supposed to reenact a story of having seen a UFO, you could probably give it more detail than exists in this episode. It was fucking horrendous. I fell asleep halfway through. I love stories about aliens and UFOs. I was all for it. I fucking fell asleep. I had to wake back up and basically clockwork orange my eyes to finish the episode just so that we could talk about this horse shit today. I didn't fall asleep, but the only reason I didn't fall asleep is because I kept waking myself up with hysterical giggling. <laughs> I, I thought this episode was hilarious. I like Honestly, I'm laughing out loud in a way that I haven't in a while. The guy with the long hair who oh, man. who was taken, he is amazing. His reenactments I was just gonna were say. hysterical. His painting is one of the funniest things I ever saw. The reenactments, how I was saying yesterday, like are so stupid. I wish he was doing all the reenactments for every episode. When he flops down on the ground and he says, <laughs> and then the uh, the UFO just dropped me like a baby. And then he flops his body down like a raw beef carcass onto the grass. It makes this thud. And I was like, you put babies down like that? How many babies have you killed, dude? And then he just sits on the grass on his side talking about it. I felt like I was watching a one-man show at the fringe that was site-specific in the middle of a field. It's so funny. And it was, it, it was like I could just imagine the conversation the producers are having with him. They're like, okay, uh, so tell us the story. And he's like, okay, well, let me take you outside. I'm going to reenact it for you. And they're like, oh, uh, actually, we, we spend a lot of time on this show doing unnecessary reenactments with actors that we're hiring. So we don't need you to do the reenactment. Just tell us about it. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to do the reenactment. You can show the footage to the actors and they can know how to reenact my reenactment, okay? I, I paint pictures not only with my paintbrush, but also with my body and my Crayola crayons. I'm gonna show you my painting, okay? I learned how to do paintings 
because they hammered into me that I need to color within the lines. I thought they were building up this guy's art for so long in the show, and then when they showed it, and it was, it was, it it looked like the artwork of a child. Still, right? Like it looked like he. Well, it, well he was a child when he did it. Oh, I thought he's like I thought he became a professional painter, or like that's his oh. like. I mean, like I said, I did fall asleep, but I thought that he did that after the incident happened. I thought it was like his therapy to try to understand what happened to him. It and it's was. just the most standard kid in a light <laughs> UFO. It's like if somebody asked me when he does the reenactment and he's like, when the I got caught in the light and then my arms flap back and my chest was under the UFO. And then that's just exactly what the picture is. So, And he's like, I wasn't... Uh, expecting to ever show this painting to anyone and he has it like mounted in one of his rooms and it's like the entire room's focus is about this painting <laughs> and like this old lady too that's talking about it she's like she's like i want you to know that before this happened i was a non-believer in these types of things and this event changed me i was like you were 12 yep who has solidified beliefs when they're 12 and it doesn't matter what they are listen across the world there are hundreds of ufo sightings weekly I, I don't I, I don't know these numbers off the top of my head but we all know there have been thousands and thousands of ufo sightings they're all very similar to this this is nothing new out there there are way way better stories where people actually have some sort of evidence of things happening to them none of these people have don't, even suggest that when they were abducted, I say that in air quotes, that anything happened to them, that they were probed, that they were impregnated, that that any of the shit that you hear about happening when people get abducted by aliens happened. There's just a bunch of people that are like, we saw light. Some of us remember going into a ship. Most of us don't. But then time went by and I was somewhere else. So what? Yeah, so, and they're fine. They all live to an old age. They seem fine. Nothing yeah. happened. Nothing and happened. She was like, I don't remember what happened in the ship, and perhaps I'm lucky that I don't. Why? You're fine. Like, what do you think happened? When you're intimate with a person, do you do you tense up and scream? Like, do you do you feel like you were molested on this plane? Do you feel like somebody probed something into one of the orifices of your body? Or is your life just sort of fine and you saw a light when you were eleven? There's not a shred of physical evidence supporting this episode okay i mean again like i've watched tv shows that are maybe less uh credible in theory they're not like netflix series that become the number one sh watch show you know maybe i'm watching ancient aliens maybe i'm watching some other shit on the discovery channel but there are scientists at least who are like doing tests on vehicles that have gone and experienced uh, these abductions, these time, these lost times, and there's like weird shit that has happened to like the radios, to the frequencies, to like the molecular uh, atoms and shit of objects that are unex like inexplicable, that are mysterious. There's been nothing, no one is even trying to say that there's there's anything that happened, okay? There's no, again, there's no... There's no journalist. There's no one trying to tell this story. It's just a bunch of people recounting something that may or may not have happened to them. And it, it doesn't matter. And then they have the fucking gall on this show to try and corroborate these stories with 
footage that the military released of UFOs that has no relation or bearing to any of the stories. It's just footage of a UFO, and they're like, well, if the military's seen UFOs, all of this is true. All of this nonsense story that, you know, this all could be true. But who gives a shit because it's not interesting. Do you think that because this is what the top show in Canada right now on Netflix, that there's people out there who really love this show and they listen to this and it enrages them or they've stopped listening to our podcast because they can't uh, get behind these things that we're saying about Unsolved Mysteries? Or do you think that we're just in such a state with the everything that's going on in the world that we watch things that we hate because we like to get angry? Like, do you think it's some way to get the anger out that is bubbling inside of us? And so we watch these ridiculous shows. David, I, you know how excited I was for this show. I love mysteries. I love trying to uncover things. I love weird stories. And there's no part of me that is enjoying hating this. I wanted to love it. And I'm, I'm furious. So do you think it's like... And 11.8 million Canadians got tuned into Unsolved Mysteries Episode 1. And the numbers for Episode 2 are 9 people. No, because Episode 1 was pretty good. Episode 1 was mysterious, right? Even if it was poorly done, which they all are, at least the story of Episode 1 was a bit of a head-scratcher. It's just really cheap. It's really cheaply done. It's like those really bad uh, docs like Fear Thy Neighbor, which could be so great. They're, they're great stories, but the reenactments just make them so shitty or like May Day or something like that. Yep. But the, the thing that these shows really lack for me is that kind of neutral voice, mm -hmm. the, the narrator's voice that takes you through and gives you perspective because otherwise you're just sitting there by yourself watching these people talk about this UFO and you, you, you can't believe that you're supposed to just be taking this seriously and that this is the only perspective that you're supposed to be given. Makes no sense. It is truly confounding. And the reason that we don't have that neutral voice is because they couldn't find anyone who was interested in this story enough that was willing to keep looking into it. They had multiple people. They're like, we went back and looked at the news stories and no one reported anything. We checked with the police. No, one's, no one said shit. Uh, everyone, basically everyone we talked to thought it was a bunch of hooey, as they say. Well, this also comes down to the fact that they were all children and nobody cares what children say and no adults actually saw this. It was just a flock of 12-year-olds who ran out of their house and were drinking for the first time in their lives and they saw a light. There was one adult, but she kept referring to this craft as hovering and we discounted her immediately because it is pronounced hovering everywhere you go. <laughs> One of my favorite lines was when the older lady at the beginning goes, Now, in this town, if, when somebody changes their diet from a donut to a roast beef sandwich, you'll know about it. It's like, ah, the, the classic dietary shift. Now, for the past month, all I've been eating is donuts. But what I'm hoping to do is go into the shop today and get a roast beef sandwich. Oh, my God. Did you see what Gary's eating? He's not eating donuts every day. He's eating roast beef sandwiches now. There is so much cool shit about aliens out there from credible sources, from people in the military, from people who have seen crafts that they have video evidence of. There is, There are stories of different races of aliens, of aliens who live among us. 
who are shapeshifters. You know, we have these stories going back all through time. We do not need an hour-long episode of people who saw a ship or, or who saw a light and then don't remember what happened. I'm telling you, it wasn't an airplane. It was silver and round. Oh, that sounds like an airplane to me. <laughs> How would you describe an airplane? You'll notice, too, in the painting, the ship is quite small. If you compare the size of this ship to the size of his body floating up to it, and then you hear the other account of the family uh, in the woods driving up, and the ship is apparently like the size of a football field. Like They can't see one end of it to the other. Don't you think if it was the same ship this guy was floating up to, he would have... like painted it the size of the ship in arrival or something like this thing is it looks like it's smaller than an airplane that he's painted would you give this kid a little bit of credit for the drawing that he did of this ship like what, what do you think like he was doing a dead accurate representation of this this thing that he saw he was 12 maybe 10 i don't remember i fell asleep my body, I wasn't even tired. It was almost like my body needed to shut down because it didn't want to absorb anything that this episode was throwing out. All right, I'm done with this episode. Let's move on. We only ever have to talk about this show one more time. And we come back strong tomorrow. Hot takes, hot topics, final episode of Unsolved Mysteries, Big Friday on Underdogs. We're going to blow the roof off. 